three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zagluo. Great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, did Justin Field take another shot at Matt Nagy? We'll explain in just a moment. Plus, a brand new interview today with Greg Gumbo, the NFL on CBS broadcaster, the studio host of March Madness coverage. We have a wide-ranging, interesting conversation that covers his great career in sports media, some baseball, football, and so much more. It's a great interview. You don't want to miss it. Comes up near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluo. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this. Obviously, last year for the Bears was a complete train wreck. <laughs> Don't need me to tell you that. We've talked about it a number of times on this program. Matt Nagy. Screwed the team offensively. Sabotaged certain players, including Justin Fields. That's why he didn't develop. Brian Pace capstrapped the team. And it's forced Brian Poles to clean up after his mistakes. The defense regressed. The offense regressed. Matt Nagy, Brian Pace, both fired. And the team overall went 6-11. and 11. It was, without question, a failure. Plain and simple. No other way to put it. Can't sugarcoat it. It was a failure. Everybody failed from top to bottom. It was a culture of losing, of dysfunction, of frustration. And obviously some change needed to be made. Justin Fields recently gave an interview to Fox News. I really want you to hear what he had to say about the differences between this year's coaching staff and last year's. This is very interesting. Quote, of course, there's a new coaching staff. We're kind of just trying to reculture or getting the culture in the building. I don't think our culture was the best culture last year. So working with the new staff, everybody is just buying in. We got a lot of new people in, just creating a foundation for years to come. That's really the most exciting thing about it. It's been awesome working with the new coaches and working with my new teammates. End quote. This shouldn't be a big deal or a huge headline, but there's one line in between that quote that really set off some people. Quote, I don't think our culture was the best culture last year. Hello, Matt Nagy. We meet again. (laughs) Justin Fields has every right to say this. This isn't even a controversial opinion. It's just the truth. I don't blame Justin Fields for saying this. Look at what happened to his team last year. Look at what happened to him last year, not even the team. I'm still never going to forget about that Cleveland Browns game. Everybody else might. But that, to me, proves, it should prove to the entire NFL that Matt Nagy has no business even coming near another quarterback. Not even close. How he was trusted with two, not just one, but two top picks is beyond me. How he found another job is even worse. The heir apparent to Andy Reid, my ass. (laughs) Come on. Of course there's a new culture this year. Of course last year's culture wasn't the best. 
I'd say something way worse. I give Justin Fields credit for trying to mend the situation and being a good PR guy for his team. That's a quality of being a leader, by the way. It was atrocious last year. It was a joke, the situation. You could say Justin Fields didn't perform. Had growing pains? Certainly. There are problems he needs to fix. No question about it. But I'll tell you one thing. Matt Nagy certainly didn't do him any favors. Matt Nagy made things harder on him worse. Put him into a situation he shouldn't have been put into. And once he got in, called plays and instituted a game plan that made no sense. That didn't cater to Justin Fields at all. Of course there's a new culture, and of course it's better than what was there last year. Last year was a scam, it was a joke, and it should never be reprised in any sort of fashion. Robert Justin Fields, take as many shots as you can. Well, you still have the opportunity to do so. Well, people still like you. <laughs> if he doesn't perform, of course, tables will be turned. But, well, people still like you. Make these claims and say it and broadcast it to everybody so everybody knows it wasn't your fault. And nobody blames Justin Fields for the most part. Some do. That was a Matt Nagy problem through and through. There's no doubt about it. The culture was dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. Not just bad or it wasn't the best culture. It was dysfunctional. That's the definition. It was Cleveland Browns football for Chicago. I've talked about this before. The Bears are founding franchise. Storied history. Lineage. Hallis family. 1985 Super Bowl win. And yet they're playing Browns frickin' football. Browns football. Not Bears football, Browns football. They love chaos, disorder, destruction, dysfunction. All the D's you can imagine. <laughs> it plays into the Bears' plan. Destroying young quarterbacks. That's the culture that was there last year with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and company. Ted Phillips, George McCaskey, they all fall under that umbrella. So, hell yes, the culture was not good last year. And of course it's going to be better now. But still, it doesn't hurt to say it out loud. So everybody can be reminded. So many people have told me, hey, get off of Matt Nagy. He's been dragged through the mud enough. I don't think you understand how serious this is about Matt Nagy. About what he did. Already ruined Mitch Trubisky, ruined Justin Fields. I got a text from a source about Nagy, about his treatment of Mitch Trubisky. It was scary. I was told there are things I can't even say. The source said there are things I can't even say about what Matt Nagy did to Mitch Trubisky. It was that bad, yes. It was. Credit to Mitch for being silent, but how was that allowed? And then he gets another chance and does it to Justin Fields. I want to see what Fields could do now without Nagy around, but no matter what, I don't blame him fully if he never recovers. I'm not saying that'll happen, but there are some quarterbacks who obviously get broken year one and never get back to where they should be. If that happens, I have no blame to place on Fields at all. Not his fault, broken year one. This is the kind of stuff that just frustrates me. Maybe it's just me. It should be common sense. Treat people well. That's a life lesson, not just a football lesson. Treat people well. If you treat people well, chances are you're going to be treated well back and things will be better in your life. Golden rule. Life lesson. That's it. Matt Nagy should have treated Justin Fields better. Should have treated him well, not even better. Well, he's your top-picked quarterback. 
I can understand a seventh-round lineman. You want him to learn the ropes, learn the trenches, be a little hard on him. I, I get it. I played sports. I know how it works. But he's your top quarterback. And that doesn't mean coddle him or baby him, but it does mean treating him like a man with respect and not throwing him to the wolves for no reason other than potentially your ego. That's it. That's the only reason we saw what happened week three with Cleveland. Ego. Massive ego. I don't know Matt Eberplus, personally. Tell you this much, does not have the ego Matt Nagy does. You can already see it. You can already see it. He oozes that during press conferences, during workouts, during media scrums. You can already tell. He doesn't have that ego. Maybe it'll develop. Maybe the power goes to his head. He becomes a big head coach and wow, but he doesn't have the ego. Matt Nagy from day one had an ego. Oh, I came from Andy Reid's system. I'm very good. I know an offense. I know how to develop a quarterback. I did it with Pat Mahomes. And he pretty much realized very quickly that's not the case. And it's harder than you think it is. When Father Andy isn't around you anymore, Daddy Andy can't help you out, then yeah. Oh, crap. It's on me. And I'm not good enough to coach. So instead, I'll blame players, waste resources, and waste quarterbacks to make myself look good. Oh, but Matt Nagy's a great guy. Nice man. Well, you tell me. His treatment of his players is appalling. His players should be his kids. I don't care if it's the National Football League. I don't care if these men are 30 years old. Treat them well. They're your kids. That's not just a youth sports philosophy. Certainly in college and some cases in the NFL or MLB or NBA. They're your kids. Got to protect them. Got to defend them. Got to help them. You're there to help. You're there to develop. That's what the role of a coach is. Develop. Get the best. The very best out of everybody you can. There are some managers who do that exceptionally well in baseball. Joe Madden being what? Joe Madden could get something out of the worst player in baseball. He can't. And he's done it before. We've seen it on the Cubs, Angels, everywhere. Or he can improve you and get better over time. Look at Shohei Otani. Ironic, huh? New manager, Joe Madden, is the manager. And Shohei won MVP last year. Right, because Joe Madden knows how to use that sort of player and gets the best out of him. Matt Nagy should have been more like Joe Madden. He wasn't. He was Matt Nagy. He was an impediment to his players, not a helper. So when Justin Fields comes out and says these comments, when he says the culture wasn't the best last year, translation, I wasn't appreciated. I wasn't taken care of. I wasn't cared for. I wasn't treated like a top 10, top 11 pick. And when you have a culture problem in the NFL and your top quarterback's even admitting it, my goodness, you have a real issue. <laughs> your top quarterback, your top-picked quarterback is admitting to the press, hey, we had a culture problem last year and I'm happy it's over. Yikes. Not a good look. Not a good look for the organization and for the former coach and former GM. And Matt Nagy will understandably at some point get a second chance. But in my opinion, he should never coach again. He shouldn't even be in the NFL again. He shouldn't even be coaching high school kids. Because you know what? If he could, or if he did, they'd be ruined. They'd be ruined if he did that. If he can't develop Justin Fields or Mitch Trubisky, and there are reports that prove that he sabotaged them on purpose. Those are real reports from The Athletic. I wouldn't trust him with my peewee football player, kid. But a kid who was a peewee football player wouldn't trust him. It's obvious he's played favorites. He's used his ego to hurt the people around him who actually confide in him for help. And that's what Justin Fields is saying here. He confided in Matt Nagy for help. He really thought, okay, I'm going to be drafted. I'm going to have a coach who not only appreciates me, but could cater to me. Could be helpful for me, like Ryan Day was at Ohio State. Nope, didn't happen. And Fields probably, unfortunately, 
found that out very quickly. As in game one, as in the Cleveland Browns game, found out right away, this is not what I signed up for. And it was a struggle all year. We saw it on the field. Justin Fields struggled all season. Inexperience played a role, but tell you one thing, his coach didn't do him any favors. All year, it was a struggle. Look at the Bears' offense. It was a struggle all year to even put up points, to even drive downfield, to throw the ball 20 or 30 yards. And Fields has a good arm. All of these things. It was frustrating. It was a struggle. It was tough. Not easy. Just unfortunate. So I don't blame Justin Fields for coming out and saying this. I don't blame Justin Fields for being honest about the situation. I appreciate honesty. You know that. I love honesty. Things need to be better. Things need to be cleaned up. It's unacceptable what happened last year. It's unacceptable that Justin Fields, as a rookie quarterback, had to endure that, too. I know not every situation is going to be perfect. There will be issues in every which place you go. But that was unacceptable. I'd rather Dan Campbell be his head coach last year than Matt Nagy. At least Campbell, for his credit, could get the best out of the players he had. That was not a good team last year in Detroit. We know that. And yet, a lot of guys did okay. Alvin Ross St. Brown, as a rookie, did great. Jared Goff, actually, even turned it on later in the year. I was pleasantly surprised with some of the output we saw on that team. They fought every game, didn't win a lot, but they fought. And they made it hectic for teams. We can't forget the Bears beat them by a field goal on Thanksgiving. That was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. Good coach, shows fight, shows character, shows he cares. Matt Nagy does not care. Matt Nagy never showed care for his players, for his coaching staff, personnel, team, franchise, ever. It was all about Matt Nagy. It was all about ego, pride, looking like the man in charge. That trust, that image of himself eroded pretty quickly throughout last season. And it turned into a situation where nobody honored the man in charge, the image of Matt Nagy. Nobody cared. That's why he got fired. He lost his team. So I don't blame Justin Fields for feeling this way. I don't blame Justin Fields for publicly acknowledging it. I would have said even worse than what he said. And I'm appreciative of the fact that he's being honest with everybody. He's not hiding anything about last year. He knows what happened. Everybody knows what happened. And that's great that he's being honest and doing it with a PR spin shows, again, his leadership capabilities. At the same time, though, my hope is that now with a new coaching staff, new GM, some new players as they trickle in via free agency and the draft, that things get better for him and his career. That way he won't turn out like a bust. But that's just me. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Greg Gumbel comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here for John Zaglul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's an NFL on CBS broadcaster, the studio host of March Madness coverage. Please welcome Greg Gumbel to the program. Greg, it's great to have you on again. How are you? I'm glad to be here. I'm good, thanks. How about you? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here as well. What do you make of the Chicago Bears draft, first off? Well, I don't know that I... See, I don't ever, and and this is where this is where I go my separate ways from from all these people who take a look at a draft and then begin to make prognostications. I'm not I'm not a prognosticator for one, for for a couple of reasons. Even at the beginning of the season, people say, "Oh, who's going to win the Super Bowl?" How do you know? You don't know several things. You don't know how draft picks are going to fit in. You don't know what f- new free agents effect is going to be. You don't know what the loss of other free agents is going to, how it's going to affect the team. 
And I don't believe that you really know that for a good five or six weeks into the season before a team has had a chance to gel as a team and be, and be able to go their way. So, so I just think it's just way too early. You know, in, in all honesty, John, I didn't watch the NFL draft. Uh, I don't know that I could tell you who the draft picks are for the Chicago Bears right now, but I do, you know, I, it's, it's that time of year where everybody thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl. And, um, and, and we all know how that works. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, not one, I'm not one to jump uh, through hoops at a, at a draft choice or even at a free agent signing until some time has, 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 has been spent uh, in acclimation. What do you make of the Bears season last year? Well, you know, it certainly didn't go as well as anybody uh, uh, in Chicago thought it would. Um, and, and, and look, it's a, it's, it's a tenuous thing. First of all, they're, they're, in, a, uh, they're in a really uh, – it, it, the, the black and blue division has always been tough, and everybody, for the most part, has always looked up at the Green Bay Packers. When I was a kid in Chicago, um, the only important day of the season was when Green Bay came to town. And, and, and all you did, if you were fortunate enough to have a ticket, you'd go to the game. And, and in those days, it was at Wrigley Field. Um, and and, and to, to be able to watch and see what they do. But, but, you know, I grew up hating Bart Starr and hating Paul Horton and hating <laughs> Jim Taylor and hating Herb Adderley. Um, I remember when I, when I first began to work in, in this business at Channel 5 in Chicago, my boss was Johnny Morris. And Johnny, I asked Johnny once, who's the toughest cornerback he ever played against? And he said, Herb Adderley. And I hated him for saying that because I hated Herb Adderley. Um, the fact is, the fact is, you, it's, it's so strange. Uh, we as sports fans pick our favorites, which is fine, but then we make everybody else the enemy, which is not so fine. And you end up missing, like I know as a child, I spent so much time cheering against the Green Bay Packers and against the Montreal Canadiens and against the Boston Celtics and against the, uh, who am I leaving out? The, uh, uh, oh, the New York Yankees, you know, and, and you spend so much time hating those guys that years later you go, I wish I'd taken the time to appreciate Mickey Mantle or I wish, I wish I would have taken the time to appreciate that, one championship after another, after another that the Boston Celtics were putting up and Bill Russell and, and Bob Cousy and, and Havlicek and all of those guys, you know, to, to be able to appreciate them from more than just the perspective of a hometown fan. Did your Packers bias ever carry into your broadcasts or no? No, no. And you try not, but there's, there's a reason, <laughs> but I'm sure there's a reason for that because, because as as I have grown up and been in this business, you get to meet those people and you get to appreciate them, not just for their game, but for who they are as people. Um, you, you get to know them. Uh, I've never, I never wish anyone ill, even, even now, you know, the fact that, you know, even before I was a Chicago Bears fan, I was a Chicago Cardinals fan. And I remember, I remember that team very well. There's a, there's a story that, uh, that I've told people we lived in, we lived in Chicago in Hyde Park when we first moved to Chicago and I was a Cardinals fan. My brother was the Bears fan and we were just throwing a football around outside our apartment building one day and my parents had gone off to the store and uh, suddenly these, these two guys come walking by and they said, Hey, and we said, Hey, and they start throwing the ball around. And uh, we knew that for about 10 or 15 minutes. And my parents came home and my dad got out of the car and walked over and talked to the guys. And uh, after a couple of minutes, you know, they had to go and they said goodbye. They waved goodbye. And my dad came over and said, uh, Ollie Matson and Night Train Lane. And you go, whoa. Two, two bona fide Chicago Cardinals, two bona fide Hall of Famers, and just stopped to throw a football around with a couple of kids. Uh, one afternoon, and it was really very nice. Wow! Yeah, yeah, just out of the blue. And then, yeah, and then they moved off to St. Louis, and uh, and so I became uh, uh, a de facto uh, <laughs> Chicago Bears fan. <laughs> so, do you still have feelings for the Arizona Cardinals today, or not as much? No, not really. You know, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I grew up a White Sox fan, and uh, I was the White Sox fan because 
they played in the same stadium as the Cardinals, and my brother was a Cubs fan because they played at Wrigley Field along with the Bears. Um, and 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 I can't say I can't say that I follow them as as religiously as I used to, but it was um, uh, it, I I do I do confess to stopping and checking the box score in the newspaper every once in a while. Uh, they were just playing the New York Yankees, and then I was a one-time Yankees announcer at one point in my career. So I have a special interest there, and I, I just I observed this 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 series uh, with a great deal of interest on a number of levels. How'd you feel about that Donaldson and Tim Anderson moment? Well, you know it's 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 hard it's hard to measure intent, but it's not hard to measure common sense, and especially in this day and age, uh, Josh Donaldson went somewhere he just shouldn't have gone. And I think that in hindsight, and whether it's tomorrow or next week or next month, he will regret it. He will regret having done it. He probably does not. Um, you know, there are, there are some things you don't say. There are some places you just don't go. And I think that was the case here. And I thought, I thought the reaction uh, by the parties involved and by Major League Baseball were, uh, were appropriate. Do you think there really was bad intent or was it more so just a comment based on the article from before that he talked see, about? That's why, see, that's why I said I'm not sure. You know, I, I do remember the play the week before in Chicago, the bumping at third base, but it sounds like it goes deeper than that. It also sounds like that for, for a number of people, um, Josh Donaldson doesn't have a whole lot of fans amongst fellow players. <laughs> you know, and, and that happens. You know, look, baseball is like any other slice of life. They're going to be good guys, bad guys, guys you like, guys you don't like. Um, the bottom line in professional sports is how well do they produce? There have been some guys that that uh, football teams did not like, players on the team did not like. But if he gets you 10, 11, 12 sacks a year, if he sacks, you know, if, if he's if he's got uh, um, uh, X number of tackles, he's, or he's got a couple of interceptions, or he fumble recoveries, then then it becomes more basic than that. He can help you win. Therefore he's okay for your team. Does that mean you're going to hang out with him all season long? Uh, postseason? No, doubt it. But, uh, but I think that, I, I think that, you know, there, there's a little history there and that probably exacerbated the situation a bit. Greg Gumbel here on Sports Talk Chicago. Greg, how do you feel about the game today? Baseball? Baseball. You know, it... <laughs> It rankles me a little bit, the way things are done. Um, you know, the, the, the people will talk about all of the statistics that are now dominating the game. I hate that. I'd much prefer a manager who managed according to his gut and what he feels. You know, people tend to forget. You know, here's a, here's a, here's a guy who's going along, sailing along, pitching a good game. And then there's a ground ball base hit between short and third, and the manager comes out and yanks it. Don't know why, but take into consideration that if that ball was a foot to the left or a foot to the right, you, the third baseman or the shortstop, picks it up and throws it out and you move on. So the, the, I've seen managers leave pitchers in a game after they have surrendered a fly ball to the warning track, you know, another three feet, and it would have been a home run. They leave him in. But a ground ball that could have been a double play ball one way or the other and yank him after that, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't reek of common sense. It reeks of someone sitting there and looking at statistics. It's the same thing with, the, with, with the, the, the shift. I understand that the shift works. But the shift works because of the stupidity of the hitters. If, if a hitter stands there and he has the whole side of this infield to bunt, there was a guy in a, in a game the other day who bunted for a double. He bunted for a double. And, you know, and that's just common sense. <laughs> the fact that – now you got me started. <laughs> the, the, the fact that, 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 that we put a runner on second base in extra innings is mind-boggling to me, you know, for the simple reason that that's not the way it's done. It's not the way – and just because they say it should be, that's not, it's not necessarily a reason – why it is. And, and, and I, there are so many things that I don't understand. Um, I, don't, I don't get the, the, whole, uh, the whole push the button, the catcher pushes the button thing and then the pitcher hears it. And it's, I, I think it's stupid and it's ridiculous. I don't like this idea of, of the advent, supposedly, of robotic umpires. 
I, I will throw, I'll, I'll ruin two or three TVs. I will, I'll start throwing things at the television because it makes, <laughs> it makes no sense. The, the solution to baseball's problem, umpiring problem, and there is a problem, is get better umpires. There are some horrible, horrible umpires who are determining far too often the outcome of a game. And, and just you know, better training um, and, and, and more dedication and, and take a look at the end of the season and find out who made all the bad calls. You're reviewing everything on the planet these days. There's nothing worse than a double play ball to end an inning or is it the end of the inning? Everybody stands around and waits for the replay and finds out whether or not they can run off the field to their dugout and the other team should come out of the other dugout. Those are things, those are ways that I do not choose to remember what is my favorite sport. My, my passion has always been baseball. And to see some of the things that are happening now, uh, it, it disappoints me greatly. Are you concerned about expanded playoffs as well, letting more teams in versus how it was before? Sure, because you, you and I know what it is. It's a money-grabbing situation. Of course. The more tickets you can sell, the more, the more players, the fans, you know, and, and there are some, some leagues have taken it to the extreme. You know how bad you have to be in the National Hockey League to not make the postseason? It's ridiculous. Uh, but, but it's going to happen because, and, and before, before people start drowning me with, with voicemail and messages and, and sending me tweets that I don't get because I'm not on Twitter or sending me Facebook statements that I don't get because I'm not on Facebook, um, I, I get it. I understand. They have to find a way to play these, pay these higher salaries. Networks pay billions of dollars, um, and, and, but there are, there are large market teams like the New York Yankees who can afford to pay a lot more, and, and it's, it's an attempt to make more money, and, and it's that simple. Um, but the fact is, the fact is that, it, that, it, that it, to me, soils the sport. When you get to the postseason, it's supposed to be the best. Um, yeah, every once in a while, a big upset will happen, you know, like a team that barely made it into the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs will upset uh, a top seed. But, but it's, it's, a better, it's a better situation than a one and done, like in football. Um, in a four-game series, the better team is almost always going to win. Um, that, that happens in baseball. It happens in hockey. It happens in basketball. Um, but, but, you know, sure, a team can pull an upset. And, uh, and I, get, I get this argument, too, about that. They say, well, you know, there, there aren't that very many upsets. Yes, there are. There are upsets every single week in the National Football League. And an upset is simply a team that is not expected to win, rises up, and wins. You, you know, you, you see gamblers choke on it <laughs> in Las Vegas a couple <laughs> of times a week. Because this team wasn't expected to win. That happens. But that's a one-and-done situation and not like the other sports. Do you like the advent of gambling in sports media now or no? I, you know, I think it's inevitable. It's, I think it's a matter. It's, it's, it's not new. It's just, it's, just come out from, uh, it's just come out from the dark corners. And, and it's been made public. It's like, denying, it's like denying that the sun comes up in the morning. Well, yeah, all you got to do is look out the window. But, but, but you know, I, I, think, I think the advent of gambling surprises no one. The acceptability, you know, the fact that, that teams are going to say, okay, now this show, this whole show is brought to you by DraftKings. One of my favorite shows is to tune in MLB Network the morning after a game and watch the highlights. And, and this is a problem. There's nowhere else where you get every single baseball highlight than on Quick Pitch. The morning after, and 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 I think that's great, but uh, but to but but to deny that that gambling exists, the, the program is sponsored by DraftKings. That's obviously a conflict of interest to you, right? Not if you don't delve into it, and I don't. Um, I, you know, CBS does not make us talk about the gambling aspect of sports, and. And to be honest, what am I going to tell a gambler that he doesn't already know? He knows what the point <laughs> spread is. He knows what the point spread is long before I do. He, and, and he knew it yesterday, and he knew it the day before. Now, what did he, that, there, was, there was always this argument about the value of a pregame show on Sundays in football. And the one thing that gamblers would definitely tune in to find out is, is that starting running back going to play? 
is the quarterback too hurt to play? Uh, the defensive line, you know, they're missing a couple of guys. Are they going to be able to go today or not? That is probably very, very critical to whatever bet gamblers may wish to make. I don't go into that. I don't bet on sports. I never have bet on sports. Uh, I did something once. Uh, my daughter brought home um, a uh, 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 March Madness uh, bracket. And I go, sure, I'll help you. And she finished dead last. Dead last. <laughs> <laughs> so you host March Madness coverage, but your brackets aren't anywhere near where they should be. You'll notice, you'll notice in any of the March Madness, I don't have a bracket. And I don't pretend, I don't <laughs> pretend to be expert at it, but I, 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 don't, I don't think it was my daughter's exact quote, but her, her, her general intent was something like, you call yourself a March Madness broadcaster. <laughs> So I, so, but I don't, I don't venture there. I don't think it's a good idea for broadcasters of the sport to venture there. And it's not, not because we can sway anything one way or the other, but it's a matter of uh, it, how do you come across on the air? You know, like he hit that three. Oh no. What, what do you mean? Oh no. <laughs> You're not supposed to take sides. Oh no. How unbiased are you in your coverage when you broadcast games? I think I am. I try to be. Uh, I do not. I, I don't, when, when I say that I've had prior experience and therefore passing interest in teams like the Bears or the White Sox or the New York Yankees, um, that it doesn't mean that, I, that I'm out with the cheering for them. I don't. Uh, even doing a game, I don't cheer for The only thing I cheer for when I walk into a broadcast booth, we have a saying, let it be within seven points going into the fourth quarter. And then we're fine. You know, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than, you know, we're at halftime. Go back into the JB in the studio. It's 31 to nothing here, JB. <laughs> you know? and, and we'll try to figure out something to say in the second half. That's no fun. Um, there are, and, and, and those don't, look, a good football game between two bad teams is a better football game than one between a terrific team and a bad team where one is getting waxed and getting kicked out of the park. Um, but, 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 but I like, I like good competitive football and, uh, and, and a lot of times, especially in, in, in this age of, 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 of teams that are, that are, that are pulling even and they do, they do a good job in the off season and their roster is better the following year. Um, and, and all of a sudden there's more parity uh, around the league. Those blowouts are, I believe, getting fewer and farther between. Um, but when they happen, you just kind of hope that, uh, that, that you're not on the end of it. Is it tough to keep your focus, though, if you're calling a late-season game and both teams aren't in it, per se? Sure. Well, yeah, it, it is I, because you don't have that natural excitement built into the game and its outcome. Um, but, but, there, but there are those games, and they are more fun to do than any blowout. I guarantee you that there are there are teams there are teams that uh, that for whatever reason, however they do it, and they get up for a game. I, I think it's the most exciting thing in sports. You know, the the competitive balance. These teams played four weeks ago, and one team beat the other. Now this other team is winning this one. What's the difference? What is what is the 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 essence of competition to me is. Can these guys beat these guys and why? Why does it happen? Uh, sometimes it happens because it's home field. Now, home field advantage often works, but not always. You know, not always. They get beat up in front of their home crowd and then they get booed off the field. But, but the question is, for us as broadcasters, why did that happen? Not only what happened, but why it happens. I've told whatever analyst that I've ever worked with, my job is to say what happened, your job is to say why it happened. You don't have to repeat the fact that the receiver was wide open 15 yards behind his defender and it was made for an easy touchdown. Why was he 15 yards behind the defender? Um, those are the things that I think make for interesting broadcasts. And it's what makes sports interesting because we think we know going into a game who's going to win the game. But are you really that sure? I'm not one of, I'm not one of those who's willing to plump down a bunch of money just on that, on that premise. But the fact is, that, that it happens. And, and, and I think it's a legitimate question in the world of sports to ask why it happened. Who best took that advice as an analyst that you work with? 
Oh gosh, dude, the guys that the guys that I've worked with, their approach is just so different. And most of them, because they are ex-players, um, use their own experience as a basis. Now I've worked with uh, quarterbacks, Phil Sims, Trent Green, Rich Gannon. I've worked with an offensive lineman, Dan Deardorff. And I now work with Adam Archuleta, a defensive back. So their perspectives are different, but they're also unique. And you think that, you think that well, if, well if, if he plays this position that he's going to miss this. No, they don't miss anything. They know what's happening. If you've played the game and you pay attention to what you were doing, then, then you know what happened and why it happened. The crux of the situation is having the ability to convey that to the listener and to the viewer. Uh, Adam Archuleta as a, as a perfect example of someone who is a master of the telescreen. He'll say, this happened here, and, and, and he will see things. He'll start to talk about something before he even sees the replay because he saw it when it happened. Now, I'm not watching the same things he does because I've got to know where the football went and who threw it and who caught it and things like that. But Adam will, will, will say, oh, great, you know what happened? This guy missed his block up here, and, and he says, and I'll bet you that's what sprung this guy free. And I go, how do you know that? And then the replay will come up, and he goes, yeah, see right here? And he goes, he's right. But he knows what to look for, as all players do, as all ex-players do. And they know what to look for because this is what's drilled them into them all week long. On Monday, they're getting their butts chewed out for what they did wrong the day before. And by Wednesday, they're looking at the upcoming game and figuring out what they have to do and who they have to do it against. More to come with Greg Gumbo in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Greg Gumbo still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Greg, a few more questions before we finish up. First up, sports media. How shocking are all these big contracts that are coming out in your business? I don't know. I don't know if they're shocking. I don't know if they are um, a logical progression of, of what we do. Uh, it's 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 in the case the case of athletes. Uh, I never vilify anyone for the money that they're making. Um, you know, we all feel that we're very fortunate in what we do and how we we've done it and and what we've gotten paid for it. Um, but but no, I, I I hold nothing against those those guys who are who are making these these tons of money as I call it, and I say good for them. But it's you know is it is it, is it a logical progression? I, I think it is because but but at the same time, um, the network got to get that money from somewhere, <laughs> and, and and where are they getting that money? I'm sure ad prices are are, are skyrocketing in, in that field. Um, I, had a boss, I had a boss once at CBS Sports where he came in and he said, uh, this was the president of the company, and he said, well, we've got to get, we've got to get more money uh, for these games. And one of our salespeople told him, well, this, this, is the, uh, this is the standard. This is what and he says, screw the standard. Break that up and charge new money. And basically, that's what they did. And, and, and you know, it's easy to do that in a sport that is in such demand as, as football, but you know, it's, it's money that they feel is, is going to garner them the best product. So good for them. Do you wish you debuted earlier or I mean later rather, do you wish you debuted later so you can get a piece of this action? No, no. You know, there's, there's <laughs> uh, perfectly uh, happy and content and surprised with the things that I've been able to do over the years. Um, but for, for, uh, for, for the things that I've gone through, uh, I learned on the way up. I started at, at Channel 5 in Chicago and then went from there to ESPN and then to Madison Square Garden and then to CBS and then to NBC and then back to CBS. And, and, and that, was a, that was a good stepladder for me to be able to learn along the way. Um, I've, I've chosen to stay involved in sports. My brother took a different route. He decided that he had, he had done what he wanted to do in sports and, and he moved on to, to the news area. I told him I would never want to do news because that means you have to learn a new story every day. And I would hate that. 
Um, not to mention the fact that I don't know that anybody who walks out of a new studio feeling really good about themselves because it's that kind of a, of a genre. But, um, but, but sports has always been uh, a pleasant adventure for me and, 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 and something that I'm, that I'm most interested in. And I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. How much longer do you expect to do it? There's a good question. You know, I've thought a couple of times the last couple of go-rounds contract-wise that um, I think, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is this is as far as I'll go. And then, and then somebody comes along and goes, well, hey, how about another couple of years? And I go, well, you know, take a look at it. I love what I do. The only hassle, and it's everybody's hassle, is travel. And, and I run into people who... Uh, we say, well, it's really easy. So, well, yeah, except even if a flight goes according to plan, it's still a hassle at times. And, and, and people, there are people who don't travel a lot who think traveling is glamorous. And it's not all that glamorous. And there are things that can go wrong. A flight is good if it hasn't been canceled, if it hasn't been delayed, if you haven't missed your connection, if there isn't bad weather, if, you have, if they haven't lost your luggage, all of those things. And all of those things can happen. And we all recognize that that happens to everybody. But if you travel twice a week, every week, there's a better chance of happening. <laughs> I, I have not, uh, I haven't lost my luggage in about three years now, but there was, but there was, there, there was, there was one stretch there where they lost it twice in one season. And that was, I was suicidal. I just go, ah, but it happens, you know, but, but, but as far as when it comes down to doing my job, I love doing that from kickoff to final gun in the booth in football season, from the start of March Madness all the way. And, and those are some hectic days and nights. Those, those first few days, especially at the NCAA tournament, um, there is no rest or very little rest. And, and yet uh, you're surrounded by all of this good stuff. And good stuff meaning buzzer beaters and competitive basketball and, and teams that aren't supposed to win, like we were talking about earlier, all of a sudden they rise up and here they are in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. How tough is it to know 64 or 68 different teams to start March Madness, too? I'm sure that's a big challenge. I don't pretend to. Um, <laughs> I really don't. And I, and I think anyone who tells you they do is lying. Um, but you do learn along the way from research material. You know, I read newspapers every day. We get supplied information by the schools. We get supplied information from our research department. I get it sent to me during the week and I have, to, I have it to study on the plane. I have it to, to study when I get to my hotel. And then the games themselves, you watch them as they progress and you learn a little bit more about this guy and this kid who can really shoot. I remember him from two nights ago, he's lighting it up again. Um, but but no, you can't you can't expect to know. And I I know there are there are people in your business who pretend to know everything. And I just want to go. Oh, trust me, they don't. They just scream and yell the loudest. That's all. But it doesn't mean <laughs> just because you scream and yell doesn't mean you know anything. In fact, it's a pretty good indicator that you don't know anything, and you're trying to cover up for that. Two more questions, Greg, before we finish up. Um, why did you cut off Coach Larinaga during March Madness this year? Because, uh, look, he's a really, really good guy. And he is a very gregarious guy. And I have known him in the past. I've known, uh, and he's known Charles, and he's known Kenny, and he's known Clark Kellogg. So we got into a really easygoing conversation. But we have time markers to meet. Like we have to get it back. This, I believe this was at a halftime of a game and uh, we have to get it back to the stadium for the start of the second half. In addition to that, we are obliged to air X number of commercials between the time we end the studio show and the time we get it back. So there was not an opportunity. He was going on and on and on. He was, and he was very comfortable talking with us and, 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 and I, and I talked to him afterwards and I explained it to him and he understands the whole business of television, but I could not, you know, do five, four, three, two, one in my ear and he's still talking. And when he took a breath, I said, coach, thank you so much. We got to go. That's it for at t at the half, back for the second half after this, because that's a necessity of what we did. But he didn't take it. He didn't take it badly. And I think that guys, it's part of the success of what they do. They get, they get used to TV, they get used. And here's the thing, 
I was getting the countdown. He wasn't getting the countdown. He thought he had all the time in the world to just say, hey, how are you guys doing? And so on. And what, what added to it, I had texted him a little earlier in the week, just congratulating him on his, uh, on, on his advance. And, and, uh, and, and he had brought that up during the broadcast. And then, and then it, the problem with being too knowledgeable and too familiar with people is that you tend to have all of that social stuff intermingling and not getting down to the nuts and bolts of what you really want to know. And by the time you get down to the nuts and bolts, sometimes you don't have time for the nuts and bolts. Did you see his face? Did you go back and look at his face? He looked so serious when you cut him off. He looked pretty mad. <laughs> I'm sure. He, I, 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 but I, but again, you know, it's the nature, it's the nature of what we do. Um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, when we talked after that, we, we texted each other. Uh, he is, you know, I just, I just, Remember, I just did something, a little piece of video for, for something for uh, uh, Tom Izzo. And, uh, and I told him that, that in our business, we categorize people of the good people and the not as good people. And Izzo is one of the good people. Jim Laranega is one of the good people. Mike Krzyzewski, you know, all those, these guys. Um, Bill Self, you know, all these guys that we see on a regular basis. Jay Wright, I'm so sorry to leave, see him leaving uh, his position, good for him, I'm sure. But but he's one of the truly class guys in in this business of college basketball, and and I'm sorry we won't be dealing with him on a regular basis. But but it's, it doesn't come as a surprise to people; they kind of know what, what what the story is. And Greg, before we finish up today, last question: What's the funniest moment that you've been a part of in your career? Funniest. Funniest. Funnest or funniest. Funniest. Uh, well, Laugh out loud type of moment that you've been a part of. Gosh. You know, I don't know that I could put my finger on one, you know, offhand, I'd say it would have to be uh, connected to Barkley because he's one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Um, I do get him every once in a while, though, right on the first day of the tournament, I said, uh, let's go down to Mr. Eat Fresh Refresh and see what he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> And he was, uh, he, he cracked up for a while. In fact, he couldn't get it together for a couple of seconds. Because of <laughs> and by the way, he's to be commended for that. Who else do you know can do a series of commercials, never be seen on camera, but everybody knows who it is? That's, that's an accomplishment. And he's well known and he's, he knows the game of basketball and he's just, he's just a joy to be with. I'll have to think on that, on that funniest moment, John, and, and get back to you next year. That's fine. No, no worries. You have my email. Shoot me an email. I'll make sure to report that. But Greg, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to have you on. Best wishes, of course, come the NFL season. And looking forward to the next time we chat, too. Me, too. Thanks for having me. Great talk there with Greg Gumbel. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Greg Gumbel himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalba, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow Matt on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes away tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe and so long, everyone. No! No! Never the turn!